0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Like Becca said, next week we'll be shifting out of Alice for our service. Now, Ignite will still happen here um, most uh Sunday nights, that'll happen. Obviously, this Sunday night, it's not going to be. And we do. We have an amazing relationship with the leadership here at Alice, and we're so grateful and thankful. And honestly, we just want to take a minute and say thank you and, and pray over the leadership here at Alice. So, for Fermin, Hilda, would you guys come up here a minute? Would you guys give these guys a hand as they come up? Come up here, please, please, please. And... Thank you. Just come right all the way, all the way up here if you would. So if you have not met these guys yet, this is Vermin and Hilda, and they're the pastors here at Alice. And when we said, hey, can we come on in and can we use your building? They just said, oh yeah, the building's there to build the kingdom. Let's just do it. And it never wore off. <laughs> the welcome did not run out at all. And we're so grateful and thankful for your heart for the kingdom and just our ability to come in and really just crash. And, and it's been such a huge blessing. So we just would you extend your hands? and We're going to pray for them, the leadership of Alice, and what God's going to continue to do here. God, we just thank you so much, God, for the leadership of Alice, for their heart, for your kingdom. God, whatever it may look like. And we thank you as they move forward. God, that your peace will be on them. We pray just a a blessing on this building and everybody that comes in. We thank you so much, God, that you are leading, that you are guiding them in all that they do. And we thank you, and we just thank you so much for all you're doing, and you're gonna continue to do both in and through them. We thank you for your anointing flowing out of them every single day for the lives that are gonna be changed. In Jesus' name, amen amen thank you guys so very 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 much all right well today we're going to wrap up our series that we've called chosen and we've been looking at what it says in ephesians two ten and how it applies to you which is this for we are god's masterpiece this is you he's created us anew in christ jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago that's you God chose you, and he planned for you, and there's things that he picked out for you to do. So turn to the person next to you and say, you're chosen. chosen. All right, turn to the person you didn't choose and say, you're chosen too." There we go. But this is for every single one of us, and we've been, this is part four, and I encourage you, if you missed any of those, jump online to the website. You can grab the podcast. You can download those. You can go to our YouTube channel. You can watch it on there. But get those others. It's going to help make more sense to the, what we're doing today. But I think it really saved the best for last. Now, let me just ask, who's ever been discouraged before? Have you ever been discouraged? Like, just like, oh, yeah, okay, a few of you. Um, one of my most discouraging moments was in a race that I did. Um, We did a race. uh, I was just out of college, been training for a a race for over a year. It was a 48-hour race. You had 48 hours to do it in, and you raced nonstop. Well, about 46 hours in, we were lost. And we didn't know where we were, didn't know what was going on. Um, We were running out of water. Honestly, we were filling I remember I filled my Camelback, which is just a, a, a backpack with a bladder in it and a straw that you drink out of. I filled it from a mud puddle on a two-track and then put some tablets in it to purify it. I'm like, okay, well, it better. I hope it kills everything. And it was just nasty, nasty. And I remember just waiting and counting. I was so thirsty and waiting and counting on the minutes so I could actually drink it again because the tablets had to have time to purify it. I remember just thinking of all the time and energy that I put into this and that we weren't going to make the cutoff. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. We're walking through, and some of my teammates are hallucinating and seeing things that aren't there, and and we're trying to go. I'm like, no, that's not a trail, and we're bringing them back. And it was just, oh, I was so discouraged. Just like, so, so, All I wanted to do was sleep. I'm like, that's it. I'm just done. I don't want to cry, right? I just want to sleep. That's it. I'm just going to lay down somewhere comfy and sleep for a week. I was just like, uh-huh, I want to think about this again. We're about to miss the cutoff. And then I remember we made it out to kind of a road. We didn't really know where we were. And we're like, we're not going to make the cutoff. And somebody came by in a pickup truck. And they saw us. And apparently we looked like we needed help because we didn't even flag them down. They just stopped. And there's, there's four of us. And they're like, are you guys okay? And... They offered us a ride to, to the end, but that would disqualify us in the race. We'd be done. And so that was it. It's like, what are we going to do? Do we, do we quit? We're not going to make the cutoff. So did we already quit? Like, could we get on that? Like, what, what is it we were going to make it, And I was so discouraged. The team's like, yup, we're done. And we got in that car. And we're riding in the back of that pickup just being like, ugh incredibly discouraged. And that was just a simple race. There's a lot of things that we can be discouraged about. But one thing I think is really true when it comes to discouragement is this. The more we care about something, the more important the results are, the easier it is to get discouraged. Because we want it to work so bad. It's so important that when it doesn't work, we're like, ah, And we can get discouraged. We can get very, very discouraged. And it's really true, and it carries over to the things of God as well. In fact, I think it's so easy because it's so important. And we also, when you add the God factor into it, we're all like, well, it should just work. It it, it should just work because if God says to do it, and so you get the the person that calls up and they say, hey, I started tithing. It doesn't work. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, I tithed last week. It doesn't work. I can't pay my bills today. And you're like, well, yeah, there's also some reasons for that we can talk about. And that's God's blessing on it. And you've got to do some things in the natural. You watch what happens. But, but we look and we have this idea that if God's in it, shouldn't it just work? I mean, is, does God do things that, does, that don't work? So shouldn't it just work? I think we can I think it's easy. It can be really easy to get incredibly discouraged when we are trying to do things right, when we're trying to honor God and it doesn't seem to work. We get that why am I even doing this? It's it's not working. It should work. Because God doesn't do the things that don't work, so why isn't this working? We go, well, I forgave that person, so why aren't they treating me differently? Why don't I feel different? You know, I forgave them yesterday, but today I saw them again and... (laughs) But forgiveness, it's not a cliff we jump off of. It's a choice we make over and over and over. I wish it was a cliff. That would be great. You just do it once and never have to do it again. (laughs) Come on. Come on. But, but it's not that way. You get the person that they're like, okay, I'm spending time with God. I, I really am. I'm waking up. And they, they're like, but it's, but it's not changing my life. Nothing, nothing is changing. I, it's not working. And we can get discouraged and we can stop doing these things that we are meant to do, that God wants us to do, do things that work because we don't see them working. And we get discouraged. Galatians 6.9 says, says this. It says, and let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And we've been talking about in chosen. We've been talking about the fact that God has things for you to do. God's got places for you to go. Yet I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to get discouraged and to be like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to do it, but I don't really feel like I'm making the difference that I need to. You know, you say that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. You're my 29, 9, 11. I know the plans and the purpose I have for you he declares. The Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He plans to give you a hope in the future. And you're like, but I'm not living it out. But, but it's not happening. It's, it's not happening. Like, what is this? Let me just say, with God, little by little, Little by little, I like what it says in Isaiah 28. It says this in verse 10 For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. We grow, we see change. And let me just say, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. You're like, you know, I really just felt God wanted me to go talk to my neighbor, and I did, or forgive this person, and I did, or, or get plugged in, and I'm starting to get plugged in with the church, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying about this, this shift in my career, but I really just don't know what to do. And I just, it's just not working out yet. And if God's in it, shouldn't it just work? And it's step by step. It's step by step. Let me just encourage you with this. Be faithful. Be faithful where you are. Be faithful. If God is stepping you, leading you into something, telling you to take a step, take that step and be faithful. And don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. I was reading recently about John Quincy Adams. I think I got a picture of him right here. So John Quincy Adams was our sixth president, and you know many of our founding fathers were pro-slavery. John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, he was not at all. And he fought the emancipation of slaves for years, his entire presidency, but it didn't happen. And then after he was president, he then ran and served nine terms in the House of Representatives the entire time fighting to free slaves in America. And one day, one day a reporter caught him as he was coming out of the Capitol building. And, and the reporter actually said this to him. He said this. He says, why do you keep pushing for the emancipation of slaves when it seems hopeless? And I love this. Adams turned, looked at the reporter, and simply said, duty is ours, results are God's, and kept walking. He's like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not going to get discouraged. He wasn't discouraged. Now, what he never saw was he never saw the end of slavery in America. However, there was a young congressman in 1847 that John Quincy Adams took under his wing that later became the 16th president of the United States, and that was Abraham Lincoln. He never saw it, but he, I love that he didn't get discouraged. He didn't get discouraged. He spent 28 consecutive years fighting for something that he never saw. He never saw it, but he didn't get discouraged. He didn't get discouraged. He's like, this is what I'm doing. My part is to obey. God's duty is ours. Results are God's. I love that attitude. And I think it's echoed in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says this, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it's God who makes it grow. It's God who makes it grow. Now We, we, we pray this all the time for, for church. We're like, God, we need you in this because if you're not here, we are wasting our time. Yep. Like if you're not here, we might as well just like drink some Kool-Aid and go mountain biking. Okay, that'd be my choice. Like, let's, let's just go. But God, we need you here. You need to be in this. But God directs our steps. And we take those steps and we're faithful. And let me just say, sometimes you can, you can look around and say, oh, well, look at the success that this person is having, or, or, or they're really living it out, and they seem so happy with what they're doing, and they feel like, I bet they know exactly, they're, this is their calling, and they, they, they just know completely exactly what they're supposed to be doing, and, and I'm over here just kind of blundering around like, God, where do you want me, and how can I be making a difference, and what am I doing that's impacting anybody, and what, what is this, and we can get discouraged. And again, I think it's the the easiest areas to get discouraged in are the most important ones, because we so badly want results. We're like, "But I want it! I want! I need it!" And then we add that God thing, and you're like, "Well, then it, it, it shouldn't it? Shouldn't it just work?" But let me just say, God has called every single one of you. Every single one of you, Ephesians two ten for you, for we, for you are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do. He's called you. Not some of you, not not just me, not the person on your left, but you. Not somebody else, you. And he has a plan for you. And he has a plan for you today and tomorrow. That plan isn't over, and that plan is not about to start. You are in it right now. You're not waiting for anything. You're not waiting for anything. This is for you. And then here's the thing. It says that God planned these things in advance for you to do. So here's what that means. You didn't come along and God be like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this one? You know, might be a little bit good at, uh, he didn't look at me and go, well, you can kind of preach, but uh, so let's do this, and uh, um, what else can he do? Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe they can get a little church in Allendale going. There, there, that's a good idea. God didn't do that. God didn't look at you and be like, well, I don't really know exactly what, maybe just, uh, just a career. Just give him a career. That sounds great. That'll keep him busy. No. God says, works that he prepared in advance for you to do. God looked at today. He looked at yesterday. He looked at tomorrow and said, what am I going to need to do to, to, to build the kingdom of God? What am I going to need to do? What do I need? Who do I need? And then God said, okay, I know exactly what I need. It's a, it's a Ronnie. It's a Carrie. It's a Christy. It's a Jason. It's a... He's like, that's exactly, and he put exactly what he needs inside you for today. That's what he did, prepared in advance. He's like, I know exactly what problems are going to need to be solved, and I'm going to give them the solutions, and the solutions are in, they're in me and you. That's what he did, because you're gifted. Romans 12, 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That's you. That's you. And then there's another side of it. There's another side of it. It says in Acts, In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, about Jesus, it says this. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus was anointed. And what does he do? He goes out and he gets 12 disciples. And he gathers them around. And they weren't the smartest. They weren't the brightest. They're kind of like just a, a melting pot of like you and me, like this one does good here, this one's still working for his dad, this one's kind of over here, it's just whatever, it's just all over different things. Brings them all together. And they go around with Jesus for three years. Jesus was anointed. We know it, it says it right there. It says it that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus gets these guys together. They're with Jesus for three years. Over three years, they're traveling with Jesus. They're seeing everything that he does. They're watching the miracles. They're asking questions. They're hearing him teach. And then they're coming to him later and be like, I don't understand anything you said. And that's literally what they do. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, let me explain it to you. And so Jesus has to break it down again for them and be like, okay, the seed that fell on the ground was. I mean, he's just breaking it down for them. They have questions they ask. Three years this happens. It gets all done, all of it done, and then he says this. He comes and he tells his disciples this after he was raised from the dead. Acts 1 verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. His disciples, they're ready to roll. It's been 3 years with Jesus. He leaves, he comes back, he says what? The same things that I've read about you are true about those disciples. They're called, they're chosen they're gifted. And Jesus says this to them, go to Jerusalem and wait. He's like, just wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait, because there's something that you're going to need. There's something that's going to need to help you to do the things that I've called you to do. The gifts that I've given you, the very thing that I created you to do, there's something I want to give you to help you to do that. Don't go and do this in your own strength. He says, go and wait. And they wait, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given, and that's available. That same thing is available for you and for me. This is for all of us. Every single one of us. There's not one that's disqualified. There's not one that doesn't, isn't, it isn't available to. In fact, in Acts 2.17, talking about the Holy Spirit, it says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour my spirit out on even my servants, men and women alike, and they will all prophesy. He's like, all of them, it's the same. What does he say? He says, it's young and old. He says, men and women. He's like, everybody. He says, servants, yes, absolutely, all of them, all alike. I will pour out my spirit on them. I will pour myself every single one of them. You're like, well, why does, why does Becca preached last week? And some people are like, well, why would we have a woman preach? Because the Bible says God poured his spirit out on everybody, and God can use anybody, and he uses everybody. Absolutely. So God wants to give us the, his spirit to help us to do the very thing that he's called us to do. The very thing, and all we have to do is ask. Luke eleven thirteen. 13 so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's called you. He's chosen. He's, he saw the problems in the world today and said, I know exactly what they need to fix them. It's you. And he said, but now I'm going to help you to do it. I'm going to empower you by my spirit. Ask for my spirit. I will give it to you so that you can do the things that I've called you to do. Because you might look and say, it's too big for me. I'm getting discouraged. I don't know what this is. And God's like, no, no, no. You've got this. And I'm going to help you. I'm not leaving you alone in it. The same spirit that we look that was poured out on the disciples and we see what happens in acts as a result and they're standing up and declaring god's word and the the boldness and the power that they have peter beforehand a little girl asks him weren't you with jesus and he denies it and says no absolutely not he gets filled with the spirit on the day of pentecost and there the bible says there's a huge crowd of people that comes around and he stands up to explain what's going on and that day three thousand get saved the guy who wouldn't stand up in front of a little servant girl is standing up in front of a crowd of thousands preaching to him because he had the boldness of the Holy Spirit. It's a piece that God wants to give us to help us to do it, to help us not get discouraged about some of these things that are so important. We're like, well, I want to do it right. Maybe I got it wrong, and maybe you did. But God's like, I can still use it. Watch, I want to use you. But understand this. All of hell doesn't want you to get this. All of hell wants you confused, hurt, out of touch, just like discouraged and giving up so that you don't do anything, so that you do not do the things, so that you never discover your gifts and talents, so you never discover what God put you and made you to do, and you don't make a difference. They want you to just be spending time day in, day out, they don't want you to figure it out. They don't want you to discover your gifts, to plug into a body that builds you up, to help you when you are weak and when your areas that you're strong that you can help others in to build the kingdom of God, advance it and make a difference in this world. No, he does not want that to happen. But let me just say, you were made for this. You were made for this. You were made to make a difference. The world is looking and trying so hard for significance, it is so searching for significance. I read something in, in a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And he said this. He said, when what we're deeply passionate about, what you can be the best at in the world, and what drives your economic engine come together, not only does your work move towards greatness, but so does your life. For in the end, it is impossible to have a great life unless it is a meaningful life. And it is very difficult to have a meaningful life without meaningful work. And he says this, Perhaps then you might gain that rare tranquility that comes from knowing that you've had a hand in creating something of intrinsic value that makes a contribution. Indeed, you might even gain the deepest of all satisfaction knowing that your short time here on this earth, has been well spent, and that it mattered. And he's just talking about like just punching a clock and doing something. that. But the world is looking for significance. I love the way he says it. Then maybe, just maybe you could, right? Maybe you could find that deepest of all satisfactions, knowing that your short time here on earth has been well spent, and that it mattered. Let me just say, there's not a maybe around it. I know it's making a difference. I know we're making a difference in the kingdom of God. Every single life that we touch makes a difference. It's not a maybe. We can know that. The world is searching for significance, and God says, I made you for this. I made you for such a time as this. I put you here. The problems that you see in this world, he says, I knew they were coming. It wasn't like, ooh, that was new, COVID, wow. They came up with that one on their own. No, he knew it was coming. I know exactly what this world needs. I know exactly what it needs. And the darker the world gets, the easier it is to see the light. The easier it is to see the light. And God's like, I put that light in every single one of you. You have gifts, you have talents. You're gifted, you're called. And he says, now here's the next thing. He says, and I want to anoint you to do the very thing I created you to do. I want to give you my spirit so that you can do it. Not just in your own strength don't get discouraged. He says, not in your own strength. He says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's literally what the Bible says about that. We're supposed to rely on that strength. We don't go through life saying, okay, living like God doesn't exist. We rely on him being like, God, I cannot do this without you. If you don't show up, this is not going to work. I need you. I need you. And God's like, good, that's the exact place I want you to be. He says, now I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to empower you to do it, and watch what happens. Watch what happens. This is for every single one of us. I like what it says in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter 2, 4, he says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest, through the mediation of Jesus Christ. He calls you a priest. There's not a classification where you're like, well, I got to leave that for somebody else. You know, like the Navy Steel Christian type people, they can do that. God's like, no, you are my holy priest. It's all of you. I'm going to put my spirit inside you. There's not a classification. You can do this and you can't, and ooh, you shouldn't have tried that. That's a level four Christian thing, and you're just, mm, sorry, you'll never make it past the two. He doesn't do that. He's like, you are my priest. That's why when we do baptisms, we don't, what do you see? You see small group leaders baptizing people and you see you see husbands baptizing wives and wives baptizing kids and husbands and things all, and all kinds of fun because we're all priests. We've all been given this ministry of preaching the gospel. This is for every single one of us. This is it. This is what we get to do. And we don't just come to church and be like, okay, I checked something off the box. I came, he preached, she preached, they preached, I heard it, I'm done. No, we come to church to get equipped to go do those very things. That's what we're here for. Our mission at Life West is we want to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. Where does a lot of that come from? It comes from right here in Ephesians 4.11, where it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to do all the work. No, that's not what it says. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build the, the church, the body of Christ. That's what we get to do. It's on each and every one of us. My job is to equip you to do it. But my hope is this, is that every week you leave and you're like, I'm a minister. I'm a minister. I, I build the kingdom of God. That's what I do. You're like, like Brian Crusell. He's a drywall finisher. But you know what he does? Man, he invites... There's hardly a week goes by that I don't talk to somebody new here at church and say, hey, how'd you hear about Life West? And they're like, well, you know, this guy was at my house doing drywall. And, and I'm like, really? And I'm like, yeah. Or they're like, well, my neighbor's friend knows Brian and Megan, and they invited us. And I'm like, oh, that's great. He's a drywaller. But let me tell you what he does is he builds the kingdom of God. He's a minister. And he builds the kingdom of God. My prayer is that that's every single one of us, that you're maybe like JJ who's going to come the next service and begin to set up some cameras and you know what he does? He's a minister. He's a minister. We might preach in here and the people in this room, but you want to know what he does? Is he connects it all up, points the cameras in the right direction and sends it out to the world. He does it. He's a minister and he's 11. This is what we all are. We get to do this. We get to build the kingdom of God. I might be up here, Phil is back behind the sound booth. But if Phil isn't here, guess what? If he mutes my microphone, then my voice is going to be gone before second service. He uses his gift to build the kingdom of God, both in and out of the church. This is what we get to do. So let me tell you this. You are called. You are gifted. And God wants to anoint you with his spirit. To empower you to do that thing. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged like, well, I tried and it's not working. You know, I I prayed and I asked God, God, show me what you have for me. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I haven't seen anything yet. Keep your eyes open. Keep looking. But let me just tell you this. Don't try to do it on your own. Yeah, you need a small group. Absolutely get in one. Plug in. Get around some people that can help you. But let me just say, even more than that, we need God's Spirit. The Bible says that he will, God, our Heavenly Father, how much will he just give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The same way that the disciples were empowered to go do what God called them to do, the same way that God anointed Jesus, he wants to anoint you. He wants to fill you with his Spirit to help you. To do the very thing that He's called, that He's made you to do. It might take some searching. You might not get it right the first step, and it might not happen as quickly and easily as you think. But when you begin, you say, God, use me, He will. But if you don't have that spirit, you need it. We all need it. The disciples that were with Jesus for three straight years needed it so much that Jesus said, Wait in Jerusalem until you get this, because until you do, you're not ready. If they needed it, man, do I need it. Every day I need it. And let me just say, you do too. You do too. And all we have to do is ask. All we do is ask. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here this morning and you say, I need, I need the Holy Spirit. I want God to help me, to empower me, to make a difference, to change my world. I want His Spirit to help me. I want that. God's Word says all we do have to do is ask and that we'll receive. So if that's you, you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. I want that help. I want Him on the inside of me, empowering me to do what He's called me to do. The very things, okay, hands down. Awesome. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. It's really simple. Everybody can repeat after me, and this is what we do. With those that lifted their hands, this is what we're gonna do. Just repeat after me, say say God. Everybody out loud, just say God. I want what you have for me. I believe your word that it says ask and I will receive. So God, right now, I ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Fill me, lead me, as I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your heads bowed? Let me just ask, before we go this morning, is there somebody here who says, I don't know where I stand with God. I'm not living the life that anybody's called me to. But today I want to give my life to him. I want to begin to follow the plan, the purpose that he has. I want to make a difference in my world. I want to be forgiven, set free, and begin to walk a relationship with him. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Right in your seat, we can pray and we say amen. You can no beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for you. If that's you, get ready to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Say, that's me and today's my day. I'm going to leave you knowing exactly where I stand with him and to walk out of relationship with him. All right, God, we just come before you this morning. We thank you so much for your word. God, that not only do you call us to great things, but God, you come with us. You give us your Holy Spirit. God, today we say we're not going to get discouraged. But your word says... In due time, we will reap a harvest if we don't get discouraged, if we don't get tired. So today we declare we will not get tired, empower us, God, as we take steps, as we reach out to our neighbors, as we love those around us, as we become your hands and feet, God, we say, use us, and we give you the results. God, we will follow you. We thank you for all you're doing, both in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.